0: Well, um, today we are going to continue a look at Cowboys culture and Christianity. For the past five or six weeks, we've looked at what the culture says about certain things and what Christianity and what the Word of God says about certain things. And again, hopefully you realize that this is our authority, okay? This is our authority, not my opinion, not the world's opinion, not anything else. But this Word of God is our authority. Um, and, and for the past few weeks, we've looked at uh, dating methods, dating principles uh, that we can live by. Uh, and, for the, and last week, we started our topic of cowboys, sex, and Christianity. Cowboys, sex, and Christianity. How many of you guys uh, have never heard a sermon like I preached last week in church? Okay. Um, well, I thank God for that. You can never say ever again that you never heard the truth in a church about sex, and I thank God that we have the liberty and the freedom to share the truth about God's word. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> thank you, Don, for always starting the clapping. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Well, here's the deal. We looked at one key verse, and I want to throw it up on the screen. It's probably already up there. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says this. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. Listen. And and you say, well, I'm not married. This doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. As I said before, this message applies to all of us. If you are a parent of a teenager or a child, this message applies to you. And you need to get your note sheet out so that you can write down some of these notes. But God's desire is for us to enter marriage with a sense of honor, with a sense of commitment, and a sense of purity. That's his desire. And guess what? It starts before you get married. It starts in your dating relationships and and everything else that comes before marriage. Well last week uh, we looked at the topic of how to have great sex. How to have great sex. And not just great sex, but how to have hot and holy sex. And I'm about to even I need some amens on that, you know? Um, My lobby friends are asleep today For some reason Um, But we looked at how to have great sex And here's the truth, listen to this A Christian marriage and, And sex inside of a Christian marriage Should be both hot And holy It should be both hot and holy, and there's a guy out there, uh, his name is Tommy Nelson. If you've never heard of Tommy Nelson, you need to look his name up, Google him, do whatever you need to do to find him. But he does some great teaching on the Song of song. We're going to look at, uh, at a little bit of it today. But he does some great teaching, so look him up and, and, and watch him on, uh, on the internet. It, it's just some great stuff. Last week, principle number one was this. How do we have great sex? How do we have hot and holy sex? Principle number one is this. Hot and holy sex is only possible in marriage. I want that to sink in. Hot and holy sex is only possible in marriage. Listen, you may think that uh, you know the world says that, that sex is good and, and, and just have sex in your daily relationships or whatever it is. Listen, sex may feel good outside of marriage, but that doesn't mean it is good. Here's the truth. Sex, any sex outside of marriage, outside of the marriage bed is sin. It's sin. Um, And and sex outside of marriage leads to these things. Shame, guilt, regret, and consequences. But here's the cool thing. The privileges of sex inside the marital bed are no shame. No shame. And true intimacy. Do you remember the verses that we looked at in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 1? They were naked. Remember Adam and Eve? They were naked, and they what? Felt no shame. Listen, in, in, in marriage, it's the only place that sex should be taking place. Here's the bottom line, and I want you to catch this. If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, Jesus Christ should be first in your life. And listen to this. If you're a Christian and you're having sex with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, then guess what? And it's not just about having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It can be a job. It can be money. And, and when we put that boy or that girl or the job or that money ahead of God, guess what it's called? Idolatry. It's called idolatry. Because we put somebody else ahead of God. And you say, well, I love them. I love them. Well, love waits. Love truly waits. Love does not cause someone else to sin. And you can catch up uh, with what we talked about last week online on our our website. But here's the truth. The truth is premarital sex destroys good relationships. It it destroys it. It, it. It leads to some disastrous marriages unless repentance happens. Now, I want to make this, again, a disclaimer here. Many of you are here today, and guess what? I'm so glad. Many of you are here today, and you are divorced. Your your uh, your you're mate maybe committed adultery on you, or maybe you committed adultery on them. You're 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 hurting. You're in pain. You're in a maybe a bad relationship now. Um, maybe maybe everything that you're doing with the person that, that you're with is wrong. Can, can, and, you're, and you're you're here today, and you're thinking, well, Beau, is it is it true that God can forgive me? Is it true that he can wipe away all the sin that I've committed? And here's my answer. Absolutely. If you come in here with some baggage, if you come in here with a past, guess what? We are so glad that you're here. You may think, well, this is the only church I've ever heard that. And and maybe it is. But listen, we desire to make Jesus' forgiveness acceptable, acceptable, accessible. We want to make it accessible. Listen, the greatest gift that God ever gave us was the forgiveness of our sins. And so if you're here today and you're struggling sexually, listen, we love you. We love you. And and because I'm a a pastor that desires to, to show you love, I'm here today to speak truth to you in love so that you can be set free from your sin and live for him. That's why we're doing what we're doing, and and so maybe that's you. And you're thinking, well, is there any hope for me? Can God really redeem my life? Yes, He can. And here's the answer on how to do that. First of all, you need to make sure you're a Christian. You need to make sure that you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and you'll have an opportunity to do that after church today. Um, and then, second of all, if you know that you're a Christian, you need to repent. You need to turn from your sin that you've been going toward, that you've been involved in, and turn back to God and say, okay, God, I'm sick and tired of being a casual, hypocrite Christian, and I'm going to begin to live my life out for you. That's what it takes to be right with God. And so, again, God has a plan and a purpose for all of us, and he has great pleasure in store for those of us that live by and obey his Word. Well, today, listen. Today we're gonna to continue our look at, at at how to have great sex. How to have hot and holy sex. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you guys learn about sex from your parents? Four. Okay. How many of you guys learned about sex at the gas station bathroom? No takers on that? to show you something that God has showed me? Here's here's what he showed me. It's a question. Why do we wait till a couple is engaged or in premarital counseling to teach them biblical truths about marriage and sex? Why do we do that? I don't understand that. I believe that we are doing these couples a disfavor. See, because here, here's what happens. When I get uh, to meet with a couple um, and they're engaged or you know, they're wanting to get married, guess what I have to do? I have to unpack all the baggage that they've already got in their relationship because no one has taught them how to do relationships right. And they're already off to a, 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 a shaky start because I am having to expose some of the sin that somebody told them was good. And we do them a disfavor. Listen, can I just tell you what I feel? I believe that the more we can equip them before they ever meet or date someone, the better they will be equipped to choose the right person and the better decisions sexually they will make in marriage. And so you may be thinking, well, why are you talking about this in church? Why, Why do we leave this out of church? Listen, the church has gotten it wrong. Remember, the church has said sex is gross. You don't talk about that in church. The culture has said sex is God. And everything that they they do from advertising to media to TV has something sexual in it. And can I just tell you as a pastor, and I've told you this before, and I'll keep telling you this. as, as, As the pastor of Thousand Hills Ranch Church, we are going to preach what the Bible preaches, and we're not going to be ashamed about it. And guess what? The Bible has a lot to say about sex. You know what I call this? I call this, what we're doing today, preventative counseling. Preventative counseling. It's not premarital counseling. It's preventative. And and, and here's my goal. I want to prevent as many mistakes in relationships that I can and prevent a lot of pain and regret and shame before it ever happens. And that's why we do what we do. And that's what we're going to do today. Listen, um, when I counsel people in uh, in, in premarital counseling, there are three things that I teach them that cause the greatest conflict. You ready for this? Maybe you need to write this down. I give you a note sheet today. There are three things that I try to teach them that cause the greatest conflict conflicts in their marriage. You ready for this? Family? <laughs> In-laws? <laughs> <Yes>. Amen? <laughs> Thank you. You're okay. It was kind of a joke. I, I got great in laws, but, but family can be one of the greatest conflicts. You ready for the next one? Finances. Money. And guess what the third one is? Sex. It's sex. And you think, no, it's not. Sex is great in marriage. You never have any problems with sex in marriage. What? You must be single. <laughs> Listen, and, and sex is the one that we're going to talk about today. So again, the first principle, if you missed last week, the first principle was hot and holy sex is only possible in marriage. You can have some hot sex outside of marriage, but guess what? It will never be holy because it's not according to what God says. Now, here's the second principle. And this is what we're going to talk about today. And, and this principle is obviously for those of you that are married but listen, this is a great principle for the single people in this audience to understand before they ever reach the honeymoon, okay? So you ready for this? Write this down. The second principle is this. Hot and holy sex in marriage is only possible when a husband or wife puts their spouse's needs ahead of their own. You we say it again? Hot and holy sex is only possible when a, a husband or wife puts their spouse's needs ahead of their own. Let me, me read a verse for you. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. <clears throat> it says this. Now for matters, and Paul's talking, and he's talking to the church in Corinth, and listen to what he says. Now for matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. By the way, that's Paul's personal advice, not God's command. And he goes on to say, But since there is so much immorality or fornication, which, again, is is sex outside of marriage, each man should have his own wife and, and woman, her own husband. The husband, listen to this, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. And the wife's body, it does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, a husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Are you getting that? Does that does that register with you? I want to read it in a different version. Go ahead and, and show the next slide. It's the, it's the message version of this. And listen to how it reads. I love the way that this verse or this uh, version of the Bible reads. Listen to it. It's the same verses. Listen to what it says. It says certainly, but only, but only within a certain context, it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Listen to this. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage, bed must be a place of mutualities. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not for stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in the bed or out of the bed. And you say, well, what is that verse saying? I mean, I, I believe it's clear, but let me explain it. It's saying when it comes to having a hot and holy sex in marriage, we are to put our spouses ahead of ourselves. Can I get an amen on that? Some of you guys may not, you don't, you don't believe that. And maybe some of you guys are like, you're like, well, what about me? I mean, what about my needs? I have needs too. Guess what? That's the wrong response. If you go into sex with your wife or your husband, you're thinking, it's all about me. Guess what? You're going to be disappointed. I can promise you. I've been there. If you will put your husband or your wife ahead of yourself in a marriage bed, guess what? God will bless you. He will bless your sex. He will bless it more than you can ever imagine. In marriage, our godly response in sex should be the same as Christ's. who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And I'm going to illustrate that here just a little bit. Mark Driscoll, who wrote the book, Real Marriage, I I hope you will uh, get get that book. He says it this way. We are to mutually be a servant lover, not a selfish lover. So, and, and, and so, again, you may say, well, I, I satisfy my spouse's needs all the time, and he or she doesn't do anything to fulfill my needs. And if that's you and you're asking that question, i, I got a question for you. Is the person that you're married to a Christian? Are they a Christian? I mean, you're sitting there saying, well, I, you know, I, I satisfy their needs. They don't satisfy mine. Listen, if, you're, if your husband or your wife is not a Christian, guess what? You're at a disadvantage. You're a disadvantage, and an unbelieving spouse will not have the same conviction or desire to please another person. They won't do it. You say, well, how do I reach them? How do I, how do I reach them so that they can come to know Christ? Yeah, write this down. 1 Peter chapter 3. Go back and read it. It'll show you everything that you need to know on how to win that spouse. And you say, well, my wife or my husband's not a Christian. Go read that verse. Listen, but here's the truth. It's so important for you to marry another Christian. Because here's why. In a situation like this, they, Lord willing, will be willing to satisfy you as well. Because they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to, to encourage them. So is, is your uh, is your spouse a Christian? Here's the second question. Have you communicated your needs to your spouse? Sometimes I think we, we, we think that... Uh, that our spouses can read our minds. Anybody been there? Anybody, your wife ever, you know, I, you should know that. <laughs> don't, don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, listen, if you're sitting you're thinking, well, they never satisfy my needs. Here's my question. Have you communicated your needs? Have you sat down with them and said, Babe, this is my need. This is, this is what I'm, I'm dealing with. This is why I don't feel loved. These are the things that I need you to do. Communicate your needs, and then they might be more and likely fulfilled. Here's what I do with my wife. If, 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 if I don't know if she is uh, being fulfilled, whether sexually or just emotionally or spiritually, guess what? Guess what I do? I ask her. I know some of you men are going, I'm not ever going to do that. You're you're a yellow-bellied sissy if you don't. Can I just be honest with you? My pride gets me too. I don't want to have to ask my wife and then begin to serve her. You know why? Because sometimes I'm lazy, and I have no excuse. Once she's communicated her, her needs to me, I have no excuse except for laziness and disobedience, whether I don't fulfill those. Some of you guys need to ask your wife. Some of you, you, you guys need to ask your husband. Am I filling your love tank? Is your love tank empty, or is your love tank full? And if they say it's half empty, start filling it. Guess what? If you don't, the devil will bring somebody else in their path that will. See it. See it a hundred times. And so you say, well, how, how do I communicate that? Ask. How how do you communicate that? You just offer. When my wife tells me that she needs this or she needs that or she likes this or she likes that, guess what? That helps me. It helps me be able to step up to the plate and do what she's desiring for me to do. And so you got to communicate it. The second part is this. You got to pray for them to change. If you have a spouse that's not fulfilling you sexually or, or whatever, pray for them. Guess what I've learned? I can't change my spouse. Can I get an amen? I can't do it. I mean, I can try it all I want, but guess what it does? It makes it worse. But as soon as I communicate my needs to her, or she communicates her needs to me, guess what we need to do next? Pray. Pray. Colossians 4.2 on the screen. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. <coughs> Listen, if you've done everything by nagging or just saying, I need this, I need that, just stop. Just shut your mouth. If they know your, your your needs, just keep your mouth shut for a little while and pray. I'm telling you, it'll happen. Guess what? I have issues in my own life. When my wife, she tells me those issues, that's great. I want to hear those issues. But when she tells me them over and over again, that makes me resent her. But here's the truth. When she prays for me, guess what God does in my life? He changes me so that I can serve her better. And so pray for them. And then here, if that doesn't work, if you've communicated and you've prayed, guess what? Here's number three. Ask for help. You've got to swallow your pride. And you've got to say, I can't do this on my own. I need an elder of our church, or I need Bo to come. I need someone that's godly to come and speak some truth into my husband's life. Or I need um, Bo's wife Heather to come or one of our eldest wives to come and speak some truth into my wife's life listen you say well they'll never listen they'll never sit down with you sometimes they don't but most of the time they will give it a try let me know i'll go after them <laughs> let me know proverbs 15 says this plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors they succeed seek advice and can i just make this clear if, if, if serving your spouse is not being okay being neglected emotionally. That doesn't mean you're a doormat and you just take it all in. It doesn't mean that you just you just live with a brute that demands things or else. Listen, serving should be mutual, and for you to expect that is okay. It actually should be expected before you ever get married. So don't settle for his or her laziness. Communicate, pray, and help. So here, here's how I'll wrap it up. How do, we, how do we serve our spouse sexually? Now, I'm not going to give you any examples of what to do in bed, so don't be scared. I could, but I'm not going to. My wife's in the nursery today. Amen. <clears throat> so I'm not going to give you any specific things to do in bed, but I, I want to I share with you some things, a few things that I've learned that work to serve each other and lead to hot and holy sex and let me preface this i'm a preacher i'm a preacher i'm not a psychologist i'm not a professional counselor although i know one and i seek some advice every now and then uh I, but i do have a degree a college degree in family development i've studied relationships and all my life i love relationships i thrive off of seeing relationships work and guess what i've had some great examples in my life of how to make relationships work. My parents have been married for th- over thirty-five years. My wife's parents have been married for over thirty-five years. I, I desire to be around people that are successful at marriage so that it can just it can just come above me. <laughs> and I encourage you to do that as well. So I'm not a I'm not a professional counselor, but I, I am married and I have a great sex life. Amen? <laughs> So listen, I have experience. (laughs) Um, I'm going to stop right there. My mouth's dry after that. Um, Principle number one. Here's some things you need to write down. How do I serve my, my spouse sexually? Principle number one is this. A woman's Hot and holy sexual experience starts outside the bed. Can I get some amen's from the women? Let me say it again, men, so that you can get it. I not, y'all to read it slower. Okay. A woman's hot and holy sexual experience starts outside the bed. Thank you so much. To spell it. Yeah, can I we need to spell that for you? Now let me let me give you an analogy, I mean this with all due respect, okay, ladies? I'm, I'm going to compare you to a uh, to a horse, okay? I'm gonna compare, now now if you if you get upset about this, it's your own fault. Don't email me. Don't text me. If you do email me, put your name on the bottom. Don't be a coward. But here's the truth. I, I, uh, I have a friend, actually he's a, he's a distant cousin of mine, his name is Brent Haig, and he's one of the greatest veterinarians in the state. Uh, he's an he's a, a equine veterinarian at Oak Ridge Equine over by Waterloo Road, and he's one of the greatest equine surgeons in, in, in the state as well. And, and the other day I called him and, and I asked him a, a few questions. I knew some about breeding, about horse breeding, but I didn't know all of it. But but here here, here's something that maybe you didn't know. Do you know how to make a mare come into heat quicker? I'll give you the answer. You put her under lights. You put her under lights. In other words, if you want your your mare to come into season quicker, you put her under lights. And what I mean by that is at dark, when it gets dark, you turn the light on in her stall. You put lights over her her, uh, corral, and you put her under lights. Here's what that does. It artificially creates springtime because she feels like the days are longer, and guess what? She comes into season quicker. Now, here's the advantage of that. When I can get my, my, my mare to come into season quicker, guess what happens? She comes into season quicker, and in January, I can breed her, and guess what? When I go to the show, guess what I have? I have a cult that's older, that's more mature than the other cults that are at the show pen. i are giving you some advice here. They're, they're, they're older, they're more mature than the other cults, but they're the same age as the other cults. So here's, here's the point that I want to make. By putting her under lights, guess what? She comes into season quicker. Can I just give you a a little uh, analogy about that with women? And get this, women. Here's where it goes. When I shed light on my wife's beauty, when I shed light on her kindness, on her streets, and I love her by shedding light on how great she is outside the bed, she is more willing and prepared to have hot and holy sex in the bed. Mitch, if you will just get this, your life will be much more satisfying. Can I just just sit back and, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, seriously, if you will just get this, it will change your world. You know what? The Bible talks about this, and and, and King Solomon understood this. He understood that if, if if he would just pour out his love verbally, if he would just serve his wife outside the bed, guess what? should be ready to go to bed. Listen to this. And I know you're thinking, is this really the Bible? You see that? Can holy? It says what? Holy Bible? Holy, holy Bible right there, right? I just want to be clear on what I'm reading here. You ready for this? Song of Solomon. Go ahead and show it up there. Song of Solomon, chapter 4. Listen to Solomon. He's on his honeymoon with his wife. and Listen to what he's, what he says to his wife. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Can anybody make a dove sound? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Sigeon. <laughs> Listen to this. This is really, this, this should turn all you in on. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Rescending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn. Coming out from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like halves of a pomegranate. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Your neck is like a tower of David. Built with elegance. On I hang a thousand shields. All of them shields of warriors. Listen, your two breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. There is no flaw in you. And you think, well, what, what, what is he doing there? He's, he's shedding light on your beauty. And guess what she says. Look at verse 16. It should be on there as well. Awaken, north wind and come south wind. Blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread abroad. Let my, my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. You know what he's saying or she's saying there? Let's worship. You know You know what? I mean he's That's what she wants to do. She wants to go to bed. Come into my garden. Now, I know some of you cowboys, you're like, well, you know, I'm not gonna talk like that to my wife. Well, I'm gonna read you a poem, a cowboy poem. And husbands, you need to maybe try to find some of these because I'll just, they work, okay? It's called this, An Angel of the West. Now listen to this, I'm not a cowboy poet, but I'm gonna try to read it. As I sit and try to ponder, Why you've stayed with me so long. I don't want to use another's words. You've heard it, you've heard in some old song. So I guess that I'll just say it. If you hadn't taken my hand, I'd be living life for nothing in that place called No Man's Land. All the troubles that I've suffered as I've tried to make my way, you've been standing there beside me with great patience, I must say. As we push on through the problems in this life that we must bear, I know I could not endure as much without your love and care. You're the paint upon the canvas in a masterwork of art. Without you to inspire me, my dreams would fall apart. I do thank the Lord above me for the day he gave me you. If it weren't for his sweet kindness, you could paint this cowboy blue. All of the things that I've loved in life, you're the la- of all the things that I've loved in life, you're the lady I love best. You're the good in my good morning. You're my angel of the West. Now listen, some of you guys, you're, you're too prideful to maybe read that to your wife. Listen, you've got to get past that. It, it's all about pleasing the other person. And if you will do that, God will bless you immensely. And so, let me give you another, and I'm I'm all about giving practical tips about how to um, shed light on your wife. Here's here's what else I've done, and this is just my personal way. The other day I went and bought a driving (coughs) race board, and uh, and guess where I put it? In the shower. I put it in the shower. It's on the back side of the shower. And uh, and here's why I put it in there. And I'll just be honest with you. It had nothing to do with my wife at first. Here's why I put it in there. Either the Lord wakes me up at 3 in the morning and wants to talk to me, or he talks to me in the shower. One of those two places is usually when he sheds light on whatever he wants me to say. So I put it in there so that I could write notes down when he's giving them to me in the shower. But guess what God did? God turned it into a love bored for me and my wife. I, guys, don't look at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is amazing. <laughs> it doesn't have to be real big. Eight by ten is fine. But here's what I've done, and here's what my wife is reciprocated. I'll put on there, babe, you're a great mom. X's and O's. You know what she wrote today? She wrote on there when I got in the shower. She wrote it before I got in the shower. She wrote, you have what it takes and more. Amen. Listen, if you guys will realize that if, if you will do that, your wife will be satisfied. And guess what? You will be satisfied. Encourage her. Here's something else you need to do. Those of you that have kids, serve her by serving the kids. Can I get an amen? Amen. Ladies? The best thing that I can do for my wife is send her out to get a pedicure or a manicure and I watch the kids. You know what she wants to do when she gets back? Worship. (laughs) (laughs) And can I just leave you with this last thought? (laughs) Guys, listen. Girls are like crock-cocks. It takes them a while to get warmed up. It's true. If If you will realize that, it'll change your life. Now, let me end with this. So first of all, listen, hot and holy sex for a woman starts outside the bed. Listen, ladies, this is where you need to listen. Ladies, grab your pen and paper, because again, it's not all about you, it's all about serving each other. Listen, ladies, here's the second principle. Men experience hot and holy sex inside the bed. Can I can I get a drink after that? Let me say it again, ladies, in case you didn't get that. Men experience hot and holy sex inside the bed. Women are crock that's what men are. Microwaves. <laughs> <laughs> they don't take long. Listen, ladies. Ladies, listen. Here's the truth. Here's the truth, ladies, listen. The more they have their needs met, the more your husband has his needs met inside the marriage bed, guess what? The more they feel loved, respected, and empowered. Listen. <laughs> and, and can I just throw this out, ladies? The more it's your idea, the better it is. And can I just throw this in there as well? The more <laughs> you're responsive to the signals of him wanting to have sex, the better it is. Can I give you some of those signals? Some of you ladies miss these signals. And I want to pull it all up today, okay? Ladies, ladies, if it's nine o'clock at night and your husband has the shaving cream out and he's like, and every time you walk by, he makes sure that you hear it. That means he's shaving. Take it as a signal.
1: If he doesn't do it every
0: night. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a lot of times, you know, that leads to, I don't want to have sex. Here's another one. If he, if he wears a certain robe only on the times that he wants to have sex, it's a signal. Okay? Here's another one. And maybe you need to take this with the heart. If he takes a shower before he comes to bed, it's a signal.
1: Can I get an amen on
0: taking a shower, ladies? Right, taking the shower. Get rid of the funk. We don't want to smell the funk. Take a shower. Now, here's the last signal. You ready for this? If he brushes his teeth before he comes to bed, that is a signal. And listen, ladies, the more you can be responsive to those signals, and you think, I'm kidding, it's true. The better you can prepare for that, listen, the better your sex life will be. And can I just say, man, there are sometimes ladies give signals all the, as well. Not as often. <laughs> and can I just tell you, ladies, any signal is okay for you. It can be, be baseball signals. It, it do not matter what the signal is, ladies. Just give them a signal. <laughs> Is that a skirt? I mean, flannel turned perfume around. Wear the leopard robe better than the flannel robe. <laughs> Take your wool socks off, and your hoodie before you come to bed. Make it a signal. My only one whose wife comes to bed in flannel, everything, and a hoodie, and throws two blankets on it. That's maybe my own rule. Now listen. Let me let me get this straight. I'm not saying that you got to have sex every time someone signals it, but here's, here's the truth. Make a rain check. Make an appointment. If you say, oh, man, I'm so tired. I, I, I've I been with the kids all day. If that's what your wife says to you, say, that's okay, babe. We'll make a rain check. And set a time. You think, well, that's stupid. No, it's not. It's good. Set a time. And you say, well, I thought I was supposed to meet his needs every time he asked. No, you're not. You don't have to do that. But you at least need to set an appointment so that he can be fulfilled. Listen, if you don't satisfy—listen, ladies—if you don't satisfy your husband's desires and need for sex in the bed and put his needs ahead of yourself, he will not feel loved or even liked. Let me give you an example, and I'm done. Ladies, how how would you feel if I didn't? Or how would you feel if your husband didn't talk to you for three days? How would you feel if he didn't talk to you for a week? You'd probably feel neglected, right? You'd probably feel like he didn't really love you. Well, listen, ladies, the same is true for men. The more you deprive them of their God-given desire for sex, the more they will feel like they're not loved. And can I just tell you this? Consistent rejection of sex that is not a mutual decision is a sin, You can read it later. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Read that chapter. If you consistently reject your husband and not give him the sex that he needs and desires, it's a sin. Read it. Go home and read it. I want to end with one one last verse. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do not or do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others that applies in your marriage. And here's the bottom line. When you put the needs of your spouse ahead of your own needs, when you realize that your body is not your own, but is your husband's or your wife's, when you become a servant lover rather than a selfish lover, guess what? Hot and holy sex is possible. For your good, in his glory. And so today, I hope that you learned another principle on how to have hot and holy sex. Let's pray together. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're married and, and maybe these questions apply to you. Listen to these and ask yourself this. Are you a servant lover or a selfish lover? Think about it. Are you putting the needs of your spouse ahead of your own needs? Those of you that are married, do you have a hot and holy sex life? Listen, God wants you to, but you have to obey his commands. And it has to be mutual. Mutual. It's not just a woman, it has to be the man. And so here's what I hope that you'll do when you leave from this place today. I hope those of you that are married, that you will sit down and talk about these things. Seek to know your spouse's needs and and try to meet them. Swallow your pride and get rid of your selfishness and start serving your spouse. Maybe you're, you're single today. You're not married. Maybe you're dating somebody. Maybe you're not. Listen to this. I hope that you will plant these principles in your heart and prepare yourself to be the best mate that you can be. And here's the thing. And if you will do that and you will prepare to, to meet that person that God has in store for you, He will prepare that other person <laughs> as well. And guess what? When you get married, you will be able to, to truly experience the hottest and the holiest sex that a marriage can possibly have. And so I hope that, that if you're a single person here today, that you've heard the truth, and that you will live by it. That you will not give in to the culture, but live to glorify God. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, I can't do that because I, I don't know Christ. I mean, I, I, I've never given my life to Christ, so I don't, I don't know how to do all that. Listen, you can do that right now. The Bible says, Romans 10, 9, 10, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you can be saved. And so maybe you need to do that just this morning. And you say, okay, Lord, well, I'm ready to do this your way. I failed in the past. I need forgiveness of my past, and only you can do that. And I come asking for that today. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I don't want it to just be a one-time decision. I want to live for you for the rest of my life so that my future will be planned out in your hands, not my hands. So maybe you just need it in your chair right there. Just say that. Lord, I give you my life make me pure. Wash me clean. Give me eternal life. Listen, if you've done that, maybe you just did that for the first time, we want to know about it. Not so that we can embarrass you, we're not going to ask you to come to the front this morning, but we want to know about it so that you can be equipped even more to live a holy life. And so here's all we ask of you. Go to the guest table as soon as you leave. Fill out an order sheet, place it in that, the bucket, the feed bucket, out there on the table, and we will contact you. That's all you got to do. No pressure, nothing. And so if you made that decision today, I hope that you will fill those order sheets out. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the marriages that are represented today. I thank you for all the single people that are here today. And Lord, you have a special plan for each of us in our marriages and in our, in our dating relationships. And Lord, we pray and I pray that you would help us to follow those directions. The parameters that you give us are not to, to suck the life out of us. You're not a, a killjoy Savior. You're a, a God that created sex. For our pleasure and for your glory. And so, Lord, may we follow your commands. May we follow your word so that we can have a pleasurable life. Lord, we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. And God,